Two-time All-Big Ten honors, a first-round NBA draft pick, and a 40-point game in the NCAA tournament. Those are just a few of the on-court accomplishments the late Michigan State great Adrian Payne achieved during his life, a life that was tragically cut short on Monday in a shooting near Orlando, Florida. He was just 31 years old. On episode 78 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast, we will look back at AP's Michigan State career on the court, but more importantly off of it, where anyone who follows Michigan State or college basketball knows his impact was just as big. Brandon Champion joined by Kyle Austin on Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. We'll be joined by a special guest later in this episode to further discuss AP's legacy. But Kyle, what's up? It's it's certainly been a tough week for anyone associated with MSU hoops. Yeah, not uh, not the news anybody expected to hear, um, you know, this week. Uh, but uh, yeah, Monday morning, I guess we can just run through the facts, I guess, for anybody who, do, who doesn't know them. Um, uh, Monday morning, early Monday morning, about 1 a.m. Uh, you know, the backstory of this is according to the police that um, apparently um, Adrian Payne's girlfriend got a call from one of her friends and said, hey, you know, I'm um, about a domestic dispute that this woman was having with her boyfriend. And she asked Adrian Payne's girlfriend to come to come help her out. Um, and she went and brought Adrian along, which, you know, um, Adrian's obviously a, um, a guy you might want in a situation like that. So um, so they go to this townhome, basically hoping to help uh, a woman who, who asked them for help. And um, um, they get there and the, the, the man comes home, the boyfriend comes home and is upset to see them there. And an argument ensues between Adrian um, and this uh, person. I'm going to look up his name here because uh, Doherty, Lawrence Doherty. Um, um, so that they argue for a little bit, uh, that's out by, um, Adrian's car. Um, you know, they, they get a little heated and then Doherty goes into his house, um, gets a handgun, um, comes back out of the house and, uh, fires one shot with, which strikes, um, Adrian Payne. Um, Payne was unarmed, uh, we should say, um, you know, he might've been saying some things, but he was not armed, um, we did not follow him into the house or, or do anything threatening like that. But, um, uh, Adrian, you know, Adrian was taken to the hospital, died about an hour later. Um, Doherty was charged, um, with first degree murder. He's saying he called it self-defense. He felt like, um, um, Adrian was threatening his, um, his family um and and his home um but it's worth saying that police noted that you know he went inside to get the gun adrian didn't follow him and, and adrian was unarmed so obviously they charged him and um they're casting some doubt on that defense so so those are uh as of uh what is it wednesday early afternoon those are the facts we know so i mean obviously it's that situation i mean he's the guy he's the guy who who went to help a, a friend or, or at least a friend of a friend in need um and, and you know ended up losing his own life over it um so i, I shock sadness uh, you know all those sorts of emotions i think are, are with everybody with the michigan state basketball community right now Absolutely. And we, we saw it on social media with former players, uh, you know, coaches around the country reaching out with memories of Adrian Payne and sort of, a, you know, Gentle Giant was a was a, something that I saw floating around out there. Draymond Green on his podcast did a, a wonderful job tributing AP mm-hmm. and sort of the things that he's overcome in his life and, and the challenges that he had um, to even get to Michigan state. And then, you know, uh, I think he was an academic all big 10 eventually at Michigan mm-hmm. state and uh, just, just really overcame a lot there. And you could tell he really had the respect uh, of his teammates, of the coaches, of really everyone at Michigan state. And some of that gets, gets into the off the court stuff that we'll talk about a little bit later with our special guests. But 
obviously a very tragic situation. And we'll definitely touch more on that uh, a little bit later. Uh, as I said, we'll have a, a special guest on who will be able to, to better reflect on Payne's large impact during his time in East Lansing. Um, as uh, Payne was playing it before Kyle was covering the team. And I just have memories of him, you know, as a player uh, and a fan. So I'll share some of those too. But just more coming up on AP, but obviously a, a very sad situation. And uh, our thoughts and prayers go with, uh, out to everyone who, who, who knew him. Um, so if you could please uh, like, rate, and review the podcast, you know, uh, check out our work at MLive.com Spartans. Kyle's been covering um, the, the, the legal proceedings in regards to Adrian Payne. Um, and also, uh, you know, we've had some extensive coverage of Adrian Payne. So uh, probably more coming that way as well. Um, so Kyle, before we get to AP and, and bring our guest on, there were a couple quick items we want to discuss uh, about the current roster. There's not really any good way to transition from that to this, but um, <laughs> we do want to stay on top of the, of the current news, um, especially because the Spartans got a surprise commitment over the weekend. Yeah, uh, Carson Cooper, um, uh, if you did not know that name before Sunday, um, that's okay. I did not either. Um, as you mentioned, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, uh, recruit uh, originally from uh, Jackson, Michigan, right down the road here in Lansing. Um, but an unranked recruit uh, did not have a high major offer. Um but uh, Michigan State goes ahead, uh, had him on a visit, um, made him an offer, and took his commitment. He's a six foot ten, two hundred and twenty pound forward. Played last year at IMG Academy, and um, you know it's it, it's kind of interesting. Um, just what this commitment is, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure they look at him as a project player. You know, a guy who's gotten a lot better, and they feel like. Um, in time could be a contributor at Michigan state. Um, I guess we want to be clear. I mean, he told 24 seven sports, it's been decided he's redshirting next year. So, you know, people hoping that this is the uh, big man help that a lot of people think that they need for next year. Uh, sorry to tell you that this is not it. This is more of a, a future play. I mean, he'll be a guy that's going to be able to practice with them, um, provide some depth there. Um, and I'm sure they're hoping that if he develops the way they hope, maybe he's a contributor down the road. But um, for now, you know, he's kind of a, he's going to be kind of an in the background guy to start. But, um, you know, it's interesting because I had people re immediately asking me like, well, is he scholarship? Is he not scholarship? And it's like, well, they've got nine scholarship guys right now. Like you, it doesn't matter. Uh, you might as well be if he's not. Uh, I think pretty much everybody on the roster is going to end up with a scholarship. But I, I think this is kind of what the transfer portal era allows you to do because you have so many fewer scholarship guys than you used to is you've just got roster spots. So um, I, I think it allows you to add guys like this who um, provide depth and maybe you're a guy in the future. And, you know, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to hit the portal as soon as they take another guy at his position. You know what I mean? Like a lot, like you fear. I mean, you can take these guys who are um, probably don't have a lot of um, better options and are probably happy to be there. Um, and um, that kind of kind of fills out your, your depth that that makes sense. Um, so I, to me, this, um, you know, it, it's a play for the future, but it's also kind of a, um, a statement as to where we are is like, this is kind of like the new roster building, I think is looking at, um, looking at guys like this and, um, you, you've got your, you know, your five-star studs you're going to get, but you can also kind of take flyers on, on guys like this to kind of fill out the ranks, I think. Offers from American Duquesne, Eastern Michigan, Vermont. So, I mean, clearly the staff saw something in this guy they like 
looking at the tape, uh, I mean, he he's not like a, just like a big gump, I wouldn't say. He has some athletic mm-hmm. ability. I saw him put the ball on the floor, get up the court. He's aggressive um, in rebounding and, and going after the ball and has some post moves, but it's 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 definitely really limited around the basket, kind of an old school back to the back big basket big. But if nothing else, this will maybe give Michigan State – I mean, I know the plan is for him to redshirt. I don't know if this is the center move that – everyone was looking forward to, to like make a splash and, you know, suddenly make people feel really good about the roster coming into next year. But, you know, they have the red shirt, they're saying red shirt, but I guess if nothing else, it's like an emergency body that you could bring in if something happened to Madi or Kohler. But I don't, do you, do you think they're done looking? I mean, is the center still a possibility or is this kind of just, you know, it, I, I, it's really hard to tell. And it's been puzzling why they haven't gone after uh, more accomplished big men in the portal. I, I, I mean, I think if something were to fall into their lap um, or, or some very good option were to become available, that's not right now. I, I wouldn't rule it out, but um, I, I think we've seen throughout the portal season that they just haven't gone actively looking for big men, um, I, you know, and every Michigan State fan I know talk to is going to disagree with this, but, um, you know, the sense I'm getting is that they they're okay rolling with Jackson Kohler and Mighty Sissoko at center. And, and maybe, um, Joey Hauser sliding over there a little bit in a pinch. Um, but pretty much those, those two, um, with Hauser backstopping. I mean, I think if you're going to actually play, um, you know, the new commit Cooper meaningful minutes next year, I think that's, you know, I think you're in a bad spot if you have to do that. Nothing against him. It's just, you know, um, I don't think, I don't see him being, um, you know, a big 10 caliber player next year, um, based on what I can see, but, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I, on the one hand, I mean, it is always surprised people before and going against the green and, and ending up being right. I mean, I think we can all agree with that, but, man, it would not be shocking to get into Big Ten play and have things not going very well at that position and have everybody in January, February scream. And I told you so, you, you know, you, you don't have the you don't have the horses um, in the middle that you need. So it's it's going to be interesting. Um, but I, I think I guess I've settled into the, there's not, there's not some master plan behind the scenes. There's not some um, there's not some big man waiting out there in the wings ready to step up out of nowhere. Like, I think it's just the staffs come to the conclusion that they like the guys that they have. Well, they better be right. I mean, they're banking on themselves. They're banking on their eye for recruiting. They're banking on their ability to develop. And I mean, we've seen, I mean, Adrian Payne is a guy who developed over the years, you know? So I think that, you know, there's, it's not like that we haven't seen big men, you know, take huge leaps in between seasons at Michigan state before. So I guess they're just banking on that tried and true formula. No, DJ Stevens, who is one of the guys who's worked with all these bigs over the years is no longer there. Um, So you're trying to make these uh, Jackson Kohler, a a freshman and Mati Sissoko, who's very raw right now. I guess you're banking on them making a big leap uh, without your main big man uh, coach. So it's just risky. We'll say that, Kyle. I mean, they have every right to do what they want. They're way smarter than us at basketball. They're smarter than any of us on Twitter at basketball. And they see these guys development day in and day out. So maybe they're seeing something that we aren't. You know, I, I can tell you at the end of the year, Tom made a remark that stuck with me is he, you know, somehow Monty came up in my, you know, I don't think I'm not sure Monty played in either of those NCAA tournament games. He was not playing a lot towards the end of the season. And Izzo said something to the effect of, well, we're really hoping Monty sticks with us. Um, he was already kind of starting the recruiting process on him. So it's apparently they saw something in him. Um, I, I, we saw enough of him. I mean, he's going to have to figure out how to defend without fouling. He's going to have to 
develop offensively. Um, I, I, you know, I think to be able to do, um, to be able to be a, a big 10 big man, but you know, they've, you know, apparently they've seen enough. And I, I'm, I think I've said this before, like I, I'm very curious about Jackson Kohler and what the staff thinks of him and what, what he can do as a freshman, because part of an explanation to, to this could be, they're really high in Jackson Kohler and maybe he's Nick Ward and can show up and play 20 minutes a game at center as a freshman. I think Nick played like 18, 17 or 18. Um, that's not out of the question. Um, Cause I, we've talked about, he's, he's a good offensive player for his age, you know, really good footwork, really good post moves, uh, developing um, outside shot. He's not like a three point shooter, but I think he's, he's working on that and getting there. Um, so I think that that piece is going to be there. And if the staff feels like athletically, defensively, that that he's good enough, like, you know, maybe they're thinking, hey, he's a 20, 20 minute a game guy. Um, you know, Madi and um, um, Madi and Joey Hauser can can fill in the rest. I don't know. Um, I, I thought they would. I'm surprised we're at this point, but um, th- th- this seems to be the, the the line of thinking at this point. And then quickly, other news item before we get to our Adrian Payne uh retrospective, I guess you could call it. Um, uh, Max Christie invited to the NBA combine, Gabe Brown invited to the G league combine. Um, Max Christie, we're still waiting on his NBA decision. He's the big sort of swing piece for Michigan state's roster next year. I listened to some national college basketball podcasts and those guys are as tuned in as anyone to college basketball. And they don't have any idea what Max Christie's going to do. Uh, I mean, there's rumblings out there, Kyle, there's rumors always, um, but you know, obviously ba- what Max Christie decides to do has a massive impact on Michigan State's season next year. For sure. And, uh, I, I mean, I agree. I think I probably listened to the same podcast you did. Um, but a, a lot of these decisions, it's like, you can kind of tell which way they're going to go, whether or not they've announced it or not. You know, some guys just wait a while to say they're coming back or they wait a while to say they're going. Um, I, I think there's a very legitimate case both ways for Max Christie. Um, I, I think, and then a lot of depend on what he hears, but I think you can say, Hey, he needs to come back. You know, he's not ready yet. Um, or maybe he has a good combine and he's here in first round and says, Hey, I think, it, I think it's worth it. Um, I, I think he's very much an on the fence guy. And I actually don't think there's, there's a whole lot of those. I think most guys, um, their decisions are a little bit clearer, but I think you can make a, make a case each for both ways. And I, I'm really curious how it's going to go. But uh, the one, I guess the one development over the last couple of weeks um, is that, so he didn't go in the portal and he had until May 1st to go into the portal um, if he wanted to. So that, to me that, I'm not saying that he's not, he didn't have his issues with Michigan State or he's not unhappy, but to me, if he was truly, like unhappy, I'm not coming back to Michigan State, then he would have gone in the portal. Um, but right now he is deciding between Michigan State and the NBA draft. And the fact that he's not come out and said, yeah, I'm staying in the NBA draft means that Michigan State is at least still somewhat a possibility. Um, I mean, I know there's people who think he's gone um, and maybe he's leaning that way, but um, I, I don't think it's out of the question yet. Um, and, you know, if he was completely – determined not to come back to Michigan State, I think he would have took that extra step to go on the portal personally. So I, I still think that it could go either way at this point is what I'm saying. I think he averaged the most minutes on the team. He took plenty of shots. I mean, it just, it was a tough season for him. The, the big 10 was loaded with big athletic players this year. Uh, a lot of them are leaving the league this year. So if he comes mm-hmm. back with a full year of experience, a year of more of strength buildup, I mean, 
I could see him turning himself into a no-brainer lottery pick, and I think a lot of people can do it. So, but again, we don't look at things the same way that players might. So, you know, it's it, it truly is up in the air. I think um, I think it would be super beneficial, and I think most people think it would be beneficial for him to come back. Um, but again, it's his decision. It's the people around him and his circle. It's their guidance. So, uh, either way, I think you know Michigan State fans will be rooting for him. Um, but you know, it it is uh, definitely a swinging point the season and it's something that we're going to keep an eye on through the combine how he tests i'm sure there'll be interviews i'm sure the question will be asked out there in las vegas so we'll obviously keep tracking all of that uh as we move through the summer but well, well one thing i do, do want to add i do want to add one more thing the, the nil i think it does play a piece for a guy like him too um i don't think it's sure. as big a deal as a guy like drew timmy or, or hunter dickinson you know i think the nil is like a really big thing for guys like that but it used to be a guy in his position it's like well i can go to the nba and and sign for a bunch of money or i can go to the, back to college and make nothing now mm-hmm. you get something for going back to college the, does that convince him it's worth it no but i, I think it does tip the scales a little bit more for a guy in his situation toward college than it might have a couple years ago. And, and one thing we've seen is like, there's guys who are making more money in college than they are in the G league these days, you know, with, with through right. NIL and some of these deals out there. I mean, what did Oscar Sheboy get like a $2 million deal or something right. like that to return to Kentucky. So you're not making that money in the G league. So uh, that is definitely a factor in play. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but just wanted to touch on those news items um, before we get into this conversation about AP. Um, obviously that's the big news, but we just want to stay, uh, stay on top of it all. So, we're going to cut it off here. We'll be back in a second with our special guest uh, on MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. What's up, Spartan Nation? Welcome back to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion here with Kyle Austin. And our special guest is joining us. The suspense is over. It's Diamond Leung, uh, covered uh, Michigan State for MLive before Kyle did. So so Kyle moved in and, 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 and replaced Diamond here. But uh, I mean... Now you serve, I believe, as the the deputy sports editor at the Philadelphia Inquirer. But once upon a time, you were locked into Michigan State for MLive. So I appreciate you taking the time. Welcome back to the MLive platform. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. We appreciate it. Um, So I guess kind of just before uh, we jump into sort of your memories of Adrian Payne, and and that's your time on the beat, uh, just kind of fill some people in on, I guess, on how long you covered the team for MLive and kind of what you've been up to since. I know you've been bouncing around all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, I covered um, Michigan State for 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 two full years. Um, probably caught parts of uh, a few basketball seasons, and uh, you know, was there for uh, football wise. Was there for the Rose Bowl run too. Um, but yeah, since then, have uh, gone on to cover uh, you know Draymond Green and the Warriors. Uh, you know, during uh, you know during the kind of that first championship season, and got to see a lot of that. Uh, have since moved on to the athletic to, to become an editor, um, you know, where I was, uh, overseeing kind of, uh, NBA, um, sports business, a, a bunch of different topics out of New York. Um, and then, uh, more recently moved on to the Philadelphia Inquirer, like you mentioned, uh, where, um, you know, we kind of, uh, cover all the above. So it's been a pretty fun ride. And you're just hitting like all four corners of the U.S. You got we got to get you like a southern job now, so you can know. <laughs> you know get out over there and, and just sort of checking off states there. But man, it makes me kind of jealous just being stuck in Michigan the whole time, and you're out here seeing all these cities and whatnot. But hey, I'm, I'm young, I guess. You know, we got time. But got time. Uh, 
Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, as I said, we wanted to sort of look back at Adrian Payne. I mean, he was obviously an impactful player, really good player on the court for Michigan State. Um, his off the court stuff, which I think we'll probably get into here, obviously made national headlines. Um, Kyle, you filled us in on the news already, but but and I'll, I'll toss it to you, Diamond. But to me, Adrian Payne was like the prototypical MSU player. Like he came to Michigan State with a lot of raw talent. A lot of God-given ability. I think an ESPN scouting report from 2007 or from 2010 said he was an uncut diamond that coaches on Michigan State will try and turn into a gem. But he's a guy who improved every single year: two and a half points, seven points, ten and a half points, sixteen and a half points. By the time he was a senior, you know, big-time energy guy early on, getting dunks, rebound, defense. But then he he really turned himself into a complete player and ended up being a first-round draft pick. So, I mean, what do you remember about about uh, Adrian Payne's development on the court at Michigan State? Yeah, I just remember it was always kind of like this big open question because uh, he had, you could tell he had all the measurables and, and a lot of the talent. And it was a matter of like, could he put it all together? Uh, you know, it was, uh, I remember there were questions once, you know, early on about, you know, his level of conditioning. And, and there was, um, you know, um, you know, could he kind of get the, 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 the mental and the, the stress part of the game down, right? There's a lot going on with, you know, his, um, you know, the way he was kind of um, had size, but then it wasn't like this kind of dominating size either. So he had to really work on his game. And I think he did that, you know, it's, I remember toward um, the end of his junior year, the, the start of his senior year, it was like, hey, this guy's putting it all together. Um, you know, he can, he can do it all a little bit, right. He can shoot a little bit. He can, he can, um, you know, score inside. Um, and we started looking at him as, uh, you know, just, he's, he's going to be this draft pick and, um, he, he made it, you know, um, ended up being drafted higher than, than Draymond was, you know, uh, you know, in a different draft, but, um, he was just, uh, you know, just kept growing and growing and never really stopped. This, this was a guy who attempted three three-point attempts in his first two seasons. And by the time he was a senior, he was knocking them down at a 42% clip. I mean, that's that's wild because I remember seeing that and just being like, oh, he was, you know, obviously a, a big physical presence. You know, everyone remembers put back dunks from Adrian Payne, getting the Breslin Center hype. But when he started like just coming out, like I think it was the end of his junior year into his senior year, and he was shooting threes at like a remarkable clip and crushing them. I'm like, this guy's a first-round draft pick all of a sudden. So... I mean, I think that really, Tom Izzo said as much in his statement that everyone really respected his development at Michigan State, but the three-point shot was just one example of how he did that over the years, I think. Yeah, that was when it really started to be like, yeah, I had the same reactions. Like, oh, he's hitting that shot? He's like, oh, okay, this guy's going to be a pro, you know? Yeah. And, and there, that, that was the difference. If you could do it at that size, and, you know, all the credit goes to that coaching staff for keep, keep staying on him, um, you know, in all aspects, right? Um, but just, you know, as you mentioned, kind of prototypical Michigan State player, he just kept getting better and better and better. And, um, you know, obviously his game didn't maybe ultimately translate um, into the NBA. Uh, I think he had an opportunity there and, and, and never quite got there. But I think during his college days, especially just, you know, made a lot of improvement. I think what he did is so is very, very rare these days in basketball is to spend your first two years um, at a major program is essentially not like looking like a draft pick and then flip a switch and become like, I forget exactly where he went. He was like mid first round too. He didn't just slip into the end. 
like a 15 pick. Like, I, I feel like you very rarely see that. It's like guys kind of get pegged from the beginning. Like, all right, this is a first round pick. This is an undrafted guy. Very few guys make that much of a leap and especially do it over four years because it's like once you get to be a third or fourth year, like it's right or wrong. It's almost like you're seen as like damaged goods. Why are you still in school? It's like very few guys can really turn themselves during a junior senior year into a, a, um, a first round pick. And uh, like, it's hard to do. Um, and I think it's pretty rare. And I, I look kind of thinking back on it this week. It's like, man, that's, you don't see that a lot. And it's, I think it's a credit to him and Michigan state that, that that even happened. Yeah. I think, you know, when you look back at it too, even though it doesn't seem like a long time ago, it was kind of a different era mm-hmm. in terms of um, guys <laughs> going um, into the draft, right? Now you see it where, you know, Hey, like uh, at least in the right before the NIL, things started happening. It was basically, if you were anybody and, and you had kind of pro potential, there was, really wasn't too much of a reason not to go in the draft. And you would mm-hmm. generally go and then you would get drafted based upon uh, your potential. And I think, you know, for Adrian, who kind of wasn't really on that radar early, to, you're right, to see him come up was kind of, uh, you know, at that that time, maybe not as much of a unique thing, but it was certainly unique from, from the standpoint where he, it, it wasn't expected that he was going to be like this kind of all world player and for sure be this first rounder. And if you remember, if you look back a little bit to his NBA decision, um, he waited up until the very last minute to like decide like, Hey, I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm going to come back to Michigan state for my senior year. And, uh, you know, it ended up being a pretty good call. He was, he got even better. Um, and I think, you know, when you look back at kind of the reasoning for it was, um, you know, he, he didn't have his grandmother there, there to kind of help him make that for sure decision, right? His family, you know, having lost his, his, his mother um, a little bit earlier in life and, and having lost his grandmother um, during his, his, his college career, um, Michigan State was his family, you know, um, and I think you know, they were able to uh, do a lot, not just on his development as a, as a player, but just kind of wrap their arms around him um, and kind of turn him into a better man as well. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I was now. just going to add a little bit of that. I've heard Israel tell, tell a story about how you're right. I mean, that decision went up to the very, very end and it was really like, like a back and forth. And he decides to go back. And, and I've heard Israel say, you know, for the first couple of weeks, he's kind of moping, like he's kind of half in, half out. Did I make the right decision? And he's not really working the way he needs to. So so Israel kind of pulls him in and basically says, like, hey, like if you're not all in here, like you can get out. Like I'll get you in the supplemental draft. You can go to Europe. I don't care. But if you're not actually here, then don't be here, uh, basically. And he said from that moment on, like a flip switch. It's like, okay, I got to be all in. I made my decision. I'm all in. And that's when, like you said, that senior year really kind of took off. So it, he made the decision, got kind of a little wake-up call. But after that was like a thousand percent more running, going to the NBA. I think, I think, you know, people respect it, especially within the program that, you know, his development as a person, as much as a player, I mean, you could see that because you, Diamond, you just mentioned the tough upbringing and he had some, some learning issues and he had, I think he had like an asthma issue or something like that, where his conditioning uh, was a little bit limited to start. So he had to overcome a lot at Michigan state, but you could just see, you know, Draymond Green was his college roommate. I don't know if you heard his podcast, uh, sort of looking back at Adrian Payne, that was, I thought he did a really good job on that sort of. Uh, you know, giving us context of who he was and they were roommates. And and similarly, Draymond developed through his years at Michigan State uh, to become the player he is now in, in, in Golden State, which, you know, better than anyone having covered the team. But you could just see the outpouring from players. I mean, I like what Tom Green said. He's, he said coaching against MSU basketball and Adrian Payne 
was not just a challenge because of his talent, length, athleticism, and toughness. It was because his teammates absolutely loved him because of his motor and energy. He was infectious. I'm praying for all those who knew him, his family. So, I mean, and that's just it. Like, everybody fed off Adrian Payne on the court, whether it was, was his putbacks, when he started making threes, when he was on the sideline getting everyone hyped. Like, the Izone loved Adrian Payne uh, because he was just a huge energy guy, and then he ended up turning into a great player. So, I mean, you probably interviewed him, Diamond. I mean, we talked sort of about his skills on the court. What do you remember him about him sort of as a person and talking to him? Yeah, you know, a, a couple things come to mind. You know, um, I remember, I think I had just started on the job relatively um you know, kind of in the middle of his, uh, I think it was his sophomore year. And I remember, you know, like I, I just kind of wanted to break into the beat and, and talk to a bunch of different people. And I remember I asked to talk to Adrian, I believe like alone or maybe in a small group. And at that point they were being, I wouldn't say they were like protective of him, but they just knew he wasn't a good quote. Like he wasn't talking a whole lot. He wasn't saying too much. And I was warned about that. And, and it was just like, I was just like, well, like, you know, I kind of took that as a challenge a little bit, you know, like, like I like to talk to people that um, other reporters maybe generally don't feel like talking to or want to talk to. And I was just like, I'm new here. Like, let me just talk to him. And he was fine during the interview. I think he was like, okay. And I remember, I think Matt Larson, um, you know, the, the Michigan state SID, then he kind of came up to me and was like, that's the, like the most, or, or the, like the, like the the most I've heard him speak like in a very uh, kind of long time in terms of like a, in an interview context, you know, like he was actually pretty good. And I was like, yeah, he was pretty good, you know? And, and I, not that like it was anything I did during the interview, but I think it was just a matter of, you know, he, he had, like we discussed earlier, he'd came in kind of, you know, with a tough upbringing, you know, uh, I guess, you know, like, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the family that normally um, for, for some people might be in your life, they weren't in his life. Um, in terms of, you know, losing his mother early on and, you know, like Michigan state, he was where he grew up. Right. And, and you, with every interview, you could see him getting better. Right. Um, you could, you could see him, you could see his personality come out and see him relax a little bit, see him joking around, you know, um, you know, when I was at M live, we, also, we always used to, um, with my beat partner, Mike Griffith, we used to joke about this, um, one interview that, I believe it would have been his, in his junior year that he did. And it was post game. And I forgot the exact circumstances about what made this really funny, but um, you know, obviously like if you know anything about Tom Izzo, it's all about accountability, right? Everything's, you know, like, Hey, take it upon yourself. There's a reason why he lets the media into the locker room. It's because he wants to see these players take accountability. And I forgot the circumstances of this exactly, but we were talking about, you know, how I think this is after a win, but how certain things didn't go exactly according to plan and, and things like that. And we were asking Adrian about it and, you know, you know, hey, this didn't go well. And, and he gets this big smile on his face and he's like, well, there goes Keith Appling right there. Uh, <laughs> talk to him about it. And it was just really, really it was just really funny in that moment because of what we know about, you know, it, it doesn't read well in print. It doesn't like, you know, kind of make sense. But just in that context, it was like really funny because it just kind of flew in the face of, but it wasn't like a, like, like a, it was just kind of like a lighthearted moment. And just, we always kind of remember that about him was just, he liked to have a lot of fun. Um, and um, you could see his personality coming out and that was be, you know, um, in conjunction with all the Lacey Holesworth, uh, you know, relationship, you know, that was, 
you know, something that the camera saw, something the nation saw. Um, but even before that, we could, we could already see just him being himself um, in public. And I think that really helped us kind of learn more about him. I can confirm that their Keith goes, he's still a joke um, on the, on the MSU beat. It has that much staying power uh, 10 years later, <laughs> however much it was. Um, That's hilarious. I, I want to ask you, so, so you tweeted, uh, you know, on Monday when the news broke an old column that you wrote um, about his um, academic development, which I think is important because he's a guy that I think getting that college degree was incredibly meaningful for because um, something that uh, I think he had to work a lot harder than a lot of people um, would have to get that. Can you kind of recap what you remember about reporting that story and, and what it said? Yeah. I just remember again, like when, when he came to Michigan state, here's this guy that kind of had a tough upbringing, like, you know, was really quiet and, you know, had some early challenges in life. You could kind of, he was, he's a big kid, right? He was just literally like a, this giant person, um, but he was ultimately a kid and, you know, I, I forgot where I heard somewhere, or maybe it just came out that he had made the honor roll. And I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting actually, because it's not like, you know, he's not particularly at least earlier in his career, like well-spoken. Um, I think I'd heard somewhere along the lines, um, along the way that he had ADHD. And so it turned out he had this real relationship um, with um, Michigan State's academic support services. Like they they celebrated his successes. It wasn't just this on the court thing where, uh, you know, hey, he scored this many points, like go Adrian, we're going to help you out. And, you know, we're going to tutor you on the side. Like, no, they really, um, you know, took kind of his case and said like, hey, like this guy is just bursting with talent, not just uh, on the court, but also off the court as well. And I think they, they caught something there where um, they were able to kind of assist him and, and with his willingness to kind of get better in the classroom. And he did that. And I was, you know, I, you know, I'd, I'd forgotten about that story up until I was just kind of looking, looking back at old clips yesterday. But um, once I saw it, I was like, yeah, that, 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 that is him, isn't it? You know, he just kept getting better and better and surprising people um, with everything that he did. Right. And so, you know, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't something that was uh, fake in terms of like, oh, yeah, you just happened to make this honor roll or, or whatever. But he actually got better in the classroom. And uh, I think Michigan State had a lot to do with that. Every, everything felt really, I guess, genuine about his sort of development at Michigan State, you could say. I mean, they, like you said, it really was his Michigan State family. It really was like filling in for gaps that he he maybe didn't have. And part of that was the a story, something you just mentioned, the Lacey Holsworth story obviously became national news during his time there. Uh, we have the journey segment, which maybe it's because I just became a father, but I can't get through that without crying. I was trying to watch it in preparation for this. And it, it's just really so touching. And um, knowing that they're both gone now just makes it a little bit harder. But uh, that truly like the bond that they developed as family, as a guy who maybe didn't have that much family in his life, he, he really uh, you know, met this little girl at one of their routine visits to the hospital. And she really became like a little sister to him. And it, it wasn't something for like the cameras. You could just tell that there was a real genuine bond between the two of them. I mean, what do you remember about, about that relationship? I just remember that it made so much sense, right? Because I believe the story is that they were kind of going through a children's hospital um, and, uh, you know, um, when, when he came upon Lacey and they met each other and they kind of continued that bond, like it could have been any player, right. It could have been, um, anyone who had developed that relationship, but her favorite player became Adrian Payne because he was, was this kind of big kid, right. He was a kid. He was also just happened to be six ten, six eleven, or whatever he was. <laughs> right. And so, 
um, you know, like you could see that kind of forming. We would see, uh, you know, uh, Lacey and her family occasionally out of practice. And, um, you know, it just kept growing, growing from there. And then, and, and the, the, the story is all real. Like, like, like you said about the, the journey clip, I could barely get through it too. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's really sad to, to, to kind of see, uh, what ended up happening to both of them. Um, but you know, for, for that moment in time, it's something, you know, that I feel like was almost for all of us, you know, to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just that clip of, you know, I think her parents say something about how she feels like she's on top of the world when he would pick her up because, you know, if 6'10", 6'11", guys picking you up, you know, you're well over seven feet tall if you're Lacey. And, you know, for someone who's been through a lot of stuff, uh, dealt with a lot of challenges at a very young age, I can imagine just just that feeling of, of comfort and safety and a power to a certain extent would be really powerful for someone like that. And uh, the senior day thing is, is one I've ever seen with her just walking out with her family and uh, Adrian being there. I mean, it, it really was just a really cool story. And I, and I think, you know, when the news started coming down Monday, sure people were posting highlights of Adrian Payne and whatnot, but almost everyone was talking about the Lacey stuff right away. And, and that's when, you know, a legacy is, is cemented uh, for, because even though he's gone now, he definitely made a mark. Uh, while he was here so uh, that, that was really important to see um, I, I guess any moments like on the court that stick out to you you know I was I was thinking about you know YouTube doesn't have a ton of stuff from him it's like 2010 to 14 it's like it it's like a dark zone or something but I mean I remember you know put back dunks against Ohio State they got the is going crazy I remember when he fell on like his spine going up for a rebound against Wisconsin and then somehow ended up with a loose ball and called a timeout and he Tom Izzo runs over to him and gives him a huge bear hug uh, because it's just like classic, you know, effort, hustle, Izzo play. Um, obviously dropped 41 against Delaware in, in the uh, in the NCAA tournament, which is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I think you might have been off the beat by then, but I mean, any any plays or moments that stick out to you? You know, you have a better memory than I do, but <laughs> what I do remember is um, is those, you know, and you brought it up, those, those battles with Ohio State. Um, I believe, um, if I'm, if I, if my memory is correct, that him and, uh, Jared, Jared Sullinger were friends growing up mm-hmm. and there was a bit of a kind of a, I don't know, like Jared was like all world, like going in, you know, right. Like if you remember, like he was like the thing and Adrian was kind of the, the, the prospect, right? Like we weren't sure what Adrian was going to do. And so I do remember that anytime they faced, it was like a battle. And uh, there was always this, well, well, there's Jared Sullinger, of course, right? The, the All-American, the, you know, the, the, the all-world player. And then what was Adrian going to do in response? And, you know, and, and so that's what I remember in terms of him getting up for those games. Um, and, and, and those were always, uh, you know, quite the battle, uh, you know, with Ohio State. Sullinger, ironically, I think is the one that told the, the whole world what happened on Monday, too. So I think Right, yeah. right. He had the tweet, right. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the first guys to put uh, to put that out there, which I mean, I, yeah, they're both Dayton area guys, I think. So they definitely have a long history. Um, yeah, I just, you know, the Delaware game was crazy. He's you don't see too many 40 point games in the NCAA tournament. Um, I mean, he was four for five from three, you know, 10 for 15 from the field. Uh, I saw I found a quote that their coach said or uh, uh, Delaware coach Monty Ross after the game. 41 is 41. And he was a load tonight. He was probably the best big man that I've ever faced in 21 years of college basketball. Um, I mean, so, I mean, whether that's obviously Adrian Payne's not the best big man ever playing college basketball, but on that day, 
uh, I mean, he was spectacular. And then for encore performance, you do that in, in a one and done elimination setting, you're going to become an instant legend for that. So, uh, you know, that, I, I remember that game and it's high praise for Adrian Payne uh, all around. So, Kyle, do you have anything else or Diamond, anything else that you wanted to touch on um, just in regards to Adrian Payne? I mean, anything's fair game, really. I don't have anything else. I think we touched on it all. Just a guy that, you know, when, when I kind of look back and hear Draymond talk and hear Diamond talk, just everything he overcame to get to where he was, to where, you know, a college graduate, millionaire, college basketball, professional basketball player. Um, pretty remarkable. I think that he got through everything that he did and where he came from to, to where he was when his life was tragically cut short. I'll, I'll leave you with the one more memory I have. Um, you know, he eventually be, uh, became a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, um, you know, I was covering the Warriors then, and I believe I ran into, into Adrian in like the hallway in Minnesota. And, you know, like oftentimes when you're covering the Warriors, you don't have time to get over to the other teams and say, hi, it's your, things are busy, but I do remember coming across Adrian and, um, what stuck out was he was happy, you know, like he didn't have like the greatest NBA career. It wouldn't last too much longer after that, but he was happy. We saw each other, we connected. Um, it was kind of like old times in some ways. And so, you know, when I was listening to a Draymond's podcast and, and he kind of summed it up pretty well in terms of like, he died, um, you know, by all accounts, you know, helping somebody else. And, you know, that kind of makes a whole lot of sense. Um, a lot of, a lot of what happened doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That part, um, you know, that he was, um, busy helping somebody else, uh, made some sense. Well, Diamond, uh, really appreciate you coming on. I think your perspective is, was invaluable in this conversation. So uh, thanks for giving us some time. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. And that'll do it for today's episode of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. If you could uh, like, rate, and review the pod, uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. Not sure when our next pod will be. We're still waiting on assistant coach news, still waiting on Max Christie's NBA decision. Um, so we'll probably have some uh, news eventually breaking here or uh, that we'll jump on and talk about. But uh, for Kyle Austin and our special guest, Diamond Young, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go with it.